0: Hello everyone. In this episode of Hewlett Packard's Lab Podcast from Research to Reality, I have a great honor and pleasure to host two ladies, uh, Anu Mercian and Diman Zatu Tagaj. Hello ladies.
1: Hi, i Hi.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about your role at Hewlett Packard Labs?
1: Sure. Um, thank you so much for having us on the podcast, and we're really excited to be here. My name is Anu, like you said, and I work as a senior researcher at Hewitt Packard Labs uh, at the Networking and Distributed Systems um, Lab group. And um, I, I, in my role, uh, I do a lot of research in network policy management mm-hmm. and so, uh, software-defined networking, intent-based networking, and also now we are looking into a more of data processing units like uh, smart and how we can leverage them to accelerate the edge. So we are talk about that.
0: Very nice. And How about you, Dima?
1: Hi, uh, I work as a research scientist
2: at Hewlett Packard Labs. I work on network optimization algorithms and problems and also I work on serverless computing, uh, how to optimize a network and how to provide fault tolerance and also software-defined networking solutions for wide area
0: networks. Very nice. So we all had different paths how we came to the positions we are playing now. How did you come, Dima, to this? What was your path?
2: So I earned my Ph.D. Uh, at Pennsylvania State University uh, where I realized that I like to I'm passionate about uh, building and finding new algorithms mm-hmm. uh, and architectures for computer network. So I was working in uh, the networking and uh, security research group. Um, and uh, during my uh, Ph.D. studies, I have been working on network optimization algorithms to recover the network from larger scale failures, how to optimize the network, how to monitor and detect the failures. Then um, I also um, uh, started doing, uh, being an instructor for the operating systems um, uh, course uh, mm-hmm. where I realized that I uh, like to share my lo- knowledge with others. I also did an internship in Microsoft uh, Research with uh, Dr. McKinley where I uh, realized mm-hmm. that I really like to be in a research lab where I can have my ideas implemented and um, developed in practice and have an immediate impact on other uh, people's life. Uh, so I started, after doing my PhD, I mm-hmm. started um, a postdoc position uh, under supervision of uh, Punit Sharma uh, in the Hillus packard labs and then I, uh, I became a research scientist. Um, and in, um, in my position at Hewlett Packard Labs, I've been working on ST1 solutions mm-hmm. to reconfigure the network. I have worked on serverless computing, how to manage heterogeneous resources when we have different uh, GPUs, DPUs and different accelerators, mm-hmm. and how to optimize
1: the network uh, for better performance and fault tolerance.
0: Mm-hmm. And how about you? Uh-
1: Yeah, so I want to probably start a little bit on history. So um, from very young, I used to be a person who would be very uh, silent and just observe Mm -hmm. things. So um, my mom and my dad always wanted me to become like a scientist. So I never knew how to become one. So um, I think 10th grade, I started realizing I had interest in physics, uh, How to more than just uh, math and solving problems. I wanted to work on systems. So um, in India, how it works is you have a rank-based system. You write Mm -hmm. an entrance exam, and then you get a rank, and then you go to a university and you can select your uh, subject so Mm -hmm. uh, that way I selected electronics which was more interesting than computer science at then but now I regret not taking computer science in undergrad but um, uh, after finishing my uh, electronics I realized that I wanted to pursue my uh, masters outside the country so that's when uh, I came to Arizona Arizona State University Mm -hmm. and I pursued my masters in electrical engineering and focused on signal processing and then a little bit on networking computer networking and that's when I realized that I have a passion for networks uh, something communication how one person can communicate with another and that seemed very powerful from a from a social point and also from a in you know, an everyday perspective so uh, that made me kind of look for advisors and professors who are looking who are working in this area mm-hmm. and I uh, met with my uh, my advisor Dr. Martin Reislin he works in the uh, computer networking in the electric mm-hmm. department so then I started doing research and thesis for my masters it became so much more interesting so I even though I had an industry option, I went for PhD and continued doing research. And I think around about 2013 uh, is when I was introduced to software-defined networking. So I was actually doing passive optical networks, uh, research on them, Mac layered algorithms for passive optical networks uh, for about two, two and a half years. Then I interned at Huawei. Mm -hmm. And there was introduced to a project in software-defined networking and it was a booming field at that point. And so I I, I came back to my lab and I said, I want to work in software-defined networking. So we combined the idea of, having software defined optical networks, because like for example, if you see residential networks um, uh, until our home, there is actually copper cables and there is a fiber. So there's, and then there's a central office. So there is some kind of a centralized architecture, which uh, SDN is all about center uh, where in, in SDN you can, you can actually define it with different ways, but mostly it's about decoupling the control plane from the data plane. So that ideology was good. It was, you know, it was an area where everybody was looking into. And then I also interned at uh, Lawrence National uh, Mm Berkeley National Labs, and there we looked into intent-based networking. Uh, Although intent-based networking is how do we get an intent of an uh, operator to work seamlessly on the network, uh, there were, the, the way to solve it was really kind of hard, because you want to automate many th- many layers underneath. So software-defined networking kind of enabled uh, you know that ha- to happen, because you have some amount of automation that you can leverage. And so uh, combining the two seemed very interesting, and that gave me the opportunity at uh, HPE. So I joined the HP Networking and the BU. And And I was working on um, uh, products, so I worked on an open source project called Open Daylight, which was uh, thankfully linked with the the labs. There was already collaboration happening then, so I joined the project, I was working with some of the researchers in the labs, and then I was collaborating with them, and I was working in the uh, BU. And I think about three years in, I had worked on a complete product uh, with Aruba at that time, because Mm -hmm. HP networking went into Aruba. So uh, we worked on a product called Network Analytics Engine for the uh, Aruba OSCX, which is one of the newest um, operating systems for the network mm-hmm. switch. So um, then uh, I worked with uh, Puneet Sharma, who is a uh, uh, director at Net, uh, NDSL, um, Network Distributed Inter- 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 systems Labs. And he said, okay, if you want to explore research, uh, come and join us in Labs and made that possible. And I, I joined Labs two years back and now I've been doing research with uh, some of my best colleagues here. Yeah and um yeah it's been uh, we are working at various different projects and network policy management mm-hmm. and now uh, most recently we want to talk about today about the smart edge which where we are going to talk about how we are making accelerating the edge mm-hmm. many use cases because that's a very complicated uh, area but that can also be applied to much more larger projects so yeah
0: very interesting so all of us share a lot of similarities i was uh, working on operating systems and I also did electronics in my undergrad. But let's focus a little bit more on accelerating the edge. Uh, what does it mean? Can you tell us a little bit from your perspective?
1: So. Um- I mean, uh, just to give a perspective of what edge is, edge can mean a lot of things, mm-hmm. starting from our smartphones, that's an edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, IoT, uh, many different wearable devices, that's an edge. But from a business perspective, you have uh, OT and IT. Mm-hmm. Uh, OT being operation technology, where factories, uh, where they're doing analog uh, uh, operations, they are an edge. Mm-hmm. And also uh, a, a retail uh, and uh, a, a com- companies like you know Walgreens, who are actually having retail shops, they are also an edge. So these are different, Types of uh, edges and and what we are focused on, uh, especially for uh, HPE, being the uh, our. Uh you know, business uh, is enter- enterprise edge, uh, where we want to power uh, the um, use uh, uh, customers uh, a- applications at the edge. So, in order to accelerate them, is to uh, to increase the improve the performance of the applications mm-hmm. at the edge. So, that's what we mean by all the aspects of how can the end user be able to seamlessly use applications. And uh, now we can do it with um, you know, servers at the edge, and then powerful networking which connects to the cloud. So, there's an edge connected to the cloud, and that's m- that's kind of a similar. The model that we're following mm-hmm. but we want to do real-time processing at the edge and how do we make it possible and that's what we mean by accelerating the edge.
0: Diman, Emil just told us you have acceleration at the edge and in the data center how are these two different?
2: So yeah that's a very good question so uh, the problems and challenges that we have been facing in data center networks uh, is completely different from what we are seeing in the mm-hmm. edge so for example in data center networks uh, the devices uh, like the servers are located in um, in the close geographical locations where the servers are in uh, close proximity of each other so we don't have uh, different network latency and then um, data center networks are also have dedicated network and they have a high degree of parallel links so failures for example um, happen very rarely in this uh, architecture um, so we don't need to, um, we, we rarely see a fiber cuts or some tailors in the data center network infrastructure. But at the edge, the nodes are uh, sp- uh, spread all over different geographical locations. And then um, the, the latency is very important there. Uh, and also the applications um, are like, there are very small devices which are constrained in the power and uh, power and resources, the compute resources that they have. So we have to do provide programmability and uh, we have to provide a low latency for all these different kind of applications which are being deployed at the edge. For example, there are uh, robotic applications, machine learning applications for these uh, small devices um, that uh, are being processed at the edge. Um, also, mm, is because of the, mm, the spread of the network in um, the edge, um, the latency is very important. For example, mm-hmm. Uh, consider a power line example. So in power line, it's very important to uh, detect the failures uh, in very um, small duration of the time. For example, in 2003, in Italy, there was a large scale blackout. Uh, uh, and then the, mm, the large scale failure happened uh, in five seconds. So if we cannot uh, react quickly to, the, mm, to these uh, failures, then the whole city can go into a blackout. So in the edge, the problem uh, of uh, the spread network where the network latency uh, variation um, exists is very important and we want to solve this problem. We don't want, the, um, we don't want to have a um, 100 second of read and write latency every time that uh, we are performing a uh, read or write. Mm-hmm. And uh, so these are some of the problems that, uh, was not, uh, that uh, does not exist in the data center networks.
0: So, so Diman, um, Anu, Diman told us about a number of these performance indicators which are most important so for example you can't necessarily run gpus on all edges like you can do in data centers so the Range is a little bit different between data center and Edge. Uh,
1: and Edge, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, data center is a little bit more structured. Mm-hmm. So you can actually, and, and the, the challenges that you have a data center are very different from the Edge. So the uh, data center, you have uh, unlimited resources. You can have any number of servers, and you look at scale. So you want to uh, save costs at scale. So I've seen like uh, com- some, some companies, they or like Microsoft, they look at how do we reduce the number of re- uh, servers at, at a large scale for the data centers. But at the Edge, we're looking at very limited resources because um, you cannot have like a big uh, uh, on prem data center for um, a, 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 like retail shops you want to have like a small it room mm-hmm. where you have a few servers running and you have limited resources but you have a lot of a- like an application running like the the data analytics application that your uh, your system has to find out the different products and and uh, when a customer comes in you query for the uh, the cost and you put in the, a little bit of a read write query like uh, like demon mm-hmm. mm-hmm. mentioned so to to and, and suddenly there could be surges in uh, too many customers too many uh, read write requests you're looking at surges so um, there is a l- low amount of it support and there's limited resources and, and also you have um, uh, you have to optimize your performance you could not have like a downtime uh, and expect it to uh, immediately show up so mm-hmm. there are quite a cu- couple of uh, you know challenges that happen at the edge not at the data center so when we are looking at performance uh, we look at everything like latency throughput but also we look at the overall end to end performance so mm-hmm. uh there if there will be some amount of cloud dependence but if we can run the application at the edge itself you don't have the latency for example like video analytics applications, so traffic signals so you're looking at they're actually monitoring if the cars are crossing red light violations yep. but you want to do a quick performance they check the uh, if they are violating it you know capture the uh, the, the uh, number plate and this amount of you know uh, re- image recognition happening face. Uh, yeah face recognition happening so we, we want certain amount to, to be happening at the the edge, but you can't have a big server up there on the so. This, so those are the challenges that we're trying to target. We have to m- move some data to the uh, to the cloud, but we want to do some quick processes at the edge and then uh, leverage uh, the learnings and machine learning at, mm-hmm. uh, at the cloud.
0: So these are great examples. that nano brought up. So how, what are the obstacles to scaling at the edge? It's different type of scaling. So what are the key obstacles there?
2: So yeah, that's a g- uh, good question. Uh, so in the edge there are a lot of different applications as I mentioned there are like machine learning applications there are um, like uh, latency uh, latency sensitive applications and also robotic application so these all the, all the all these different applications require different amount of resources memory footprint and uh, computational resources um, so what we do in our project of smart edge is by uh, leveraging the heterogeneity in applications uh, requirement and also the uh, heterogeneity in the hardware that we have in the cloud so for example the cloud might have different type of gpus dpus smartnics and all these things so we are um, our um, smartedge project uh, is heterogeneous aware uh, hardware heterogeneity and then we also uh, it is also application aware Uh, So, that we can see the applications request and also the outcomes. Uh, And we are going to provide um, SLA guarantee or um, provide the outcomes that uh, the users want to to be satisfied in the system. So, these are the two challenges, main two challenges. So,
0: So, both of you brought up a number of examples where at the edge there's a requirement for standards and some sort of regulatory compliance. How does it work out?
1: So um, yeah, that's a great point because um, you know, uh, one thing at the edge is a lot of data Mm -hmm. and depending on how your edge is, uh, there's security and privacy and personal information. So we have to handle this information very carefully. One of an example is healthcare. Healthcare hospitals are an edge Mm -hmm. and you want to be running, um, you know, patient portals um, uh, and a a bunch of software that goes in like, you know, Epic is one of the companies that run the medical uh, application. So they they do a lot of processing. And so there, uh, when we look at what type of use case the the compliance and the regulations uh, vary very differently. Even if it's in in, in terms of like so, um, car, the, the smartphones and you're processing certain things like your personal data, you want to have some amount of uh, privacy and uh, rules that we need to be followed, right? So so I would say that uh, in terms of um, the use case uh, or whatever the uh, enterprise ca- customer is, we work uh, based on that. But in labs, like uh, even brought up the Smart Edge project, when we're looking at that, we Uh, essentially try to, what we try to do is we come up with uh, solutions based on open source and we build a solution and we try to show performance um, uh, improvement, uh, low latency, and we try to uh, leverage uh, all the um, uh, uh, open source availability and then we personalize it for our uh, BUs, uh, business Mm -hmm. groups. That's when we do a tech transfer, we build it into a personalized solution and then we can give it to customers. So um, we do it in different stages and that's how we work it on each of our projects that we uh, take. Uh, so, um, privacy, security and privacy is very important, in, uh,
2: especially in edge acceleration, because uh, there might be some side-channel attacks when we have some sh- uh, shared resources. In any shared resources, different tenants and different applications are running, and then um, a malicious user or a malicious attacker can use a side-channel attack to do time-series analysis to uh, process the packets and see, for example, if there's a, cryptic, a cryptography uh, application running and it can reduce the complexity of guessing the key. Uh, so in order to um, um, to disallow the uh, malicious uh, attacks uh, and such attacks, uh, we try to isolate the resources so that, for example, multiple tenants cannot use the same shared resources or uh, we try to put policies to avoid that, um, so that we can detect these failures using some sort of machine learning algorithm, for example.
0: So Anu mentioned, and I'm glad that you brought up our products, uh, it also ties into the vision of the whole company. How does your work align with that vision?
2: So uh, yeah, that's a very good question. Um, so um, we, we are trying to accelerate the edge and I would, uh, as an inspiration, I will take uh, Antonio Neriscos who says we are edge to cloud com- uh, edge to cloud company we are HPE so uh, what we do in smart edge is uh, trying to uh, accelerate the edge by leveraging the hardware resources that we have and then bring the computation closer to the edge so that uh, the latency will be improved uh, so we have several impacts on the customers uh, one of the uh, main impact is uh, having better performance and lower latency by providing edge acceleration and distributing the traffic um, Uh, based on the computational resources that we have. For example, one server might have GPU and has more computational power. So what we do is uh, we distribute the traffic uh, um, based on the computational resources of each of the servers. The other thing that we do is by uh, bringing the computation closer to the edge. Uh, So we are leveraging the SmartNIC to perform um, computation in in the SmartNIC, which has lower latency and um, also we try to meet the applications SLA so the customers on uh, um, SLA are guaranteed to be uh, met in our uh, in our uh, Smart Edge project
0: so in this case being at the edge of the vision is really being in the center of it yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, so we align with vision yeah. how we aligned with the products
1: so, um, uh, actually, we have a, a wide variety of business units, uh, business groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have um, the uh, networking side uh, where you do, uh, you know, edge. And data center networking with mm-hmm. Aruba. Then you have the storage group. Then you have the GreenLake, which is one of the one of our biggest um, you know partners. We kind of partner with them on data center base. They also do. They're also starting to look into edge offerings. So uh, we have uh, a really wide variety of products that HP offers, and we can cater to different types of use, your customer use cases. And and being at Discover, uh, uh, Discover was one of the big, biggest experience. You can actually see how customers are using your products. Mm-hmm. So uh, in terms of that, I think. Uh, uh, our project of smart edge, although we're looking at only edge use cases right now because of its challenges, it can be easily uh, easily transition into a data center use case as well. So we can work with uh, GreenLake because GreenLake is as a service, right? So you have, we um, uh, can actually bring up like an edge uh, infrastructure. Uh, we actually had a project called, um, you know, edge container as a service uh, where we can bring up an entire uh, application at the edge with its backend uh, infrastructure uh, with, within a few seconds. And that was something very lucrative for customers and and we demoed it at Discover and we got a very good response on that as well. So so that's like uh, the things that we are trying to t- uh, target. So we uh, we try to uh, showcase our um, uh, research at uh, events like um, uh, where HP has for partners and customers, and then we align with some of our BUs and we work with them from the beginning. So uh, all of them. So I think we have uh, worked with uh, Aruba's, um, yeah, uh, but our Edge project is more towards GreenLake and and how mm-hmm. we can bring it onto on-prem uh, private data center and then slowly as for uh, edge car, edge services as well, edge uh, customer users. Very
0: interesting. Diman, networking is well known for standards, like 802.11 that probably connects us to my home wireless here. In this new era of edge, are there new standards that are specific to the edge?
2: Yeah, so um, there's usually standards uh, in different um, applications that are developed, um, like, uh, Um, uh, uh, that are developed old and uh, they are are old. But in uh, to Cloud, for example, there are new devices like SmartNix, where there's no standard way to, for example, perform application offloading or how to do um, the offloading. So that's Mm -hmm. one of the challenges that we are facing in the Smart Edge project uh, or accelerating the edge. So we are trying to have a unified way to perform uh, network application offloading uh, so that um, because different vendors and different uh, uh, DPU devices have different ways to perform application offloading. So, we are working on um, developing an API so that we can have a unified and seamless way yep. to do application offloading.
0: So, new ways of doing standards. And yeah,
1: much yeah, exactly.
0: more um, agile and quick. Uh, but, but you both do research, so I presume you come up with inventions, innovations. You publish, you patent. Yeah. How is it important to you?
1: So I think it's very important for us and for the company uh, because mm. we are, uh, as we, we uh, uh, in labs, we are essentially working on things that are novel. We focus on innovation. Uh, that's like our everyday bread and butter kind of. So uh, when when we come up with something new, we want to protect it. Uh, protect it for the company, and also we can uh, we can uh, make a business out of it. So that's also uh, there are two ways of using using that uh, kind of like um. Uh, so, for the first thing, when we come up with the technology, we try to patent it. We can patent it, and uh, we try to draw, uh, like you know, make sure that it's protected. And then we uh, look into uh, research where we see the performance, right? And performance uh, uh, revolves around uh, uh, collecting a lot of metrics and, and comparing it with baselines. And um, uh, these kind of results are perfect for publications mm-hmm. because there are journals there's conferences there's top co- conferences wh- which is um, where they where we try to meet with other industries as well so mm-hmm. it also gives us a visibility as a company as a lab industrial lab so for us uh, publishing at top conferences is a priority for us and I- if not we try to get all our projects out uh, into various workshops get uh, you know get more uh, feedback from the community so that we can improve our research and we can also have our voices kind of heard like mm-hmm. so in that way I am really glad to be part of labs because that is the bin uh, part of uh, Hayward Packet Labs to always publish what you uh, what you work on. And then we also work on tech transfers, which is uh, like, so it's uh, three important things for us. So tech transfer so that we can make a business out of what we're working on, or at least include it in one of our businesses. So uh, I think the, those are three aspects are very important for uh, each of our projects.
0: Very interesting perspective. Um, I'm really delighted that our young colleagues are very averse of the priorities. Uh, and speaking of priorities, we don't do technology just the sake of technology. Um, IEEE's tagline is for example advancing technology for the benefit of humanity. Our tagline is being forced for good. How do you see, demand? how do we contribute to the world, humanity?
2: Yeah, so uh, here at Helios Packard Labs we believe in being a force for good and um, there are uh, different programs because I believe that we all have the strength and power to mm-hmm. uh, do something to um, make the world uh, to go in a good di- direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in Hewlett Packard uh, in Hewlett Packard Enterprise Company, there are uh, some uh, programs that uh, allow the employees to, uh, for example, uh, donate to some charities, and then they match uh, your um, your donation uh, to the same amount to increase. Uh, Uh, the donation uh, for a specific cause. So I myself, for example, sometimes like uh, to contribute to education for children and I have contributed to some organizations that provide um, scholarship and laptops to uh, students in uh, like poor countries. Um, also, I have been uh, working as a volunteer for some kids' education program. For example, I have uh, volunteered for summer schools for uh, girls, um, who, um, where we try to um, motivate the, the students to go in computer science and show them what we are doing in computer science and networking. And uh, we were doing a lot of fun stuff like uh, doing robotics, how we can. Uh, program and these were the kind of
1: things that we have been doing here.
0: Yeah. You, you are really making us all proud, <laughs> both of you.
1: <laughs> you. I, I wanted to just add, uh, because our labs also has every, uh, yearly, or I mean, when we were pre-pandemic, pre-pan- mm-hmm. right, so we used to have the, uh, the um, whole food uh, packaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire lab came together uh, in w- under one conference room. I don't know whether it's going to happen for a co- some more time because of COVID restrictions. But we were all like, you know, five uh, five people in a group and packaging uh, uh, dry food for um, uh, to be uh, given to like uh, African and Asian countries where there's more starvation. So I thought uh, that that is itself. I think HP is one of the companies that are really uh, uh, you know emphasize on uh, being a force for good, not just in in what products. We, um, yeah. we, we put out there, but also in terms of volunteering and how the company and employees can actually mm-hmm. give back to the society. So it's Very, very nice, yeah.
0: very nice. And I was there, by the yeah. way. <laughs> so, Diman, you mentioned that we are all diverse, uh, but not everyone is equal in getting fair share and not everyone is included. Uh, how do you see this whole area of diversity, equity and inclusion? How can we address it?
2: So I think diversity and inclusion is very important. Um, And also I'm very uh, glad that I work in Hewlett-Packard Labs because diversity and inclusion is a major part of the company's uh, um, culture and uh, in, in the labs we have uh, for example, women's lunch um, every week that we can meet with other uh, women who are in the same, um, who have the same interests uh, like us. We, so we, for example, collab uh, share ideas, we uh, build friendship and uh, we talk about things that uh, affect women uh, in computer science and um, so when I started uh, school I I was in computer science and different majors in engineering have different ratio of women to um, uh, to male to uh, female but in computer science it looks like this uh, ratio is uh, particularly skewed so um, usually uh, um, sometimes I've been the only woman in the classroom for example Uh, So being the only one in the room uh, is 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 an experience that can have some consequences. For example, being the only woman in the room or being the only person of color. Uh, And it's important to build your network. So I try to have a a women network, for example, uh, to share the things that uh, they are interested uh, in and um, like build friendship and discuss different things that matter
1: to us.
0: Together we're always stronger. Yeah. Anything to add? Yeah,
1: I mean, I would love la- like to add, um, I mean, I think uh, HP, like Kadiman said, uh, labs, we have a women's network group. We um, yeah, also, uh, along with lunches, we also do, uh, we, uh, we kind of uh, have uh, people come and talk about career paths. Mm-hmm. So we bring in uh, uh, all the la- women from a different lab group, even from uh, the system architecture lab and mm-hmm. uh, in, in different uh, geographies. And uh, we sit together, we listen to what our ideas the seniors have to tell us. And then, um, yeah, so the Juniors, I mean, junior uh, researchers who are joining us can actually learn from it. And also now uh, recently you've started like watching some TED videos, which talk about uh, uh, empowerment and uh, talk about what are the issues that we are facing in day-to-day uh, lives that we can actually overcome. So I think in that way, um, it's great that we have some kind of an initiative like this. And also uh, externally, I'm part of uh, N2Women, which is uh, uh, a group where we try to provide fellowship to students, um, uh, PhD students, uh, and to, they host events at various conferences, uh, uh, ICC and there is SICCOM and NSDI. We host an event called End to Women event and we have a panelist of uh, industrialists, industrial professional and uh, academia, uh, uh, academicians and then we talk about uh, different various different issues. So that way we always try to see, we make sure that the voices are heard and try to in, uh, increase the number of representation so that we actually don't have that big gap uh, in ratio. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think uh, that I'm glad that in uh, in two today's world we are actually doing that and, and empowering uh, women uh, and, and and not just women uh, all types of uh, you know diverse groups so i think that's very important
0: so not only that the two of you are extremely successful women professionals i know that you both have raised your families and so you are amazingly busy you know <laughs> I, I don't know how you do all of that how, how, what do you do outside of work and can, can you yeah,
2: <laughs> so my husband and I have a 20-month-old daughter and um, who takes most of our time uh, outside work. Uh, but aside from raising our uh, daughter, we also uh, like to do different hike. Um, so hiking is a unique experience for me because it um, um, it helps me to practice problem-solving skills. Uh, so for example, hiking is like um, working on a challenging mathematical problem because you don't know when you're going to reach your destination but suddenly when you reach you can have a better vision and see everything more clearly. Um, so apart from hiking, we also I like also to uh, go to different places. I like swimming, reading um, and, um, most of, uh, and also mostly we like to be with friends and family and that's uh, what we mostly miss during the pandemic. Yeah.
0: Hopefully, it's getting better. Yeah. <laughs> we are back in my front yard. So <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, we can get to work and go back to families. I'm going to my family uh, end of June what about you
1: yeah so uh, uh, my husband Calvin and I we are proud parents to two girls Um, so my first one is three three and a half years old and my second one is just two two months so I'm kind of a new mom and so uh, I think uh, besides uh, work uh, pretty much hands full day and night (laughs) kind of Um, uh, but before all of this I think we love to travel uh, as a family every year we try to go to a new country Mm -hmm. Uh, we have not visited all countries but at least uh, Canada Australia Australia was our most favorite um, uh, last trip and um, I, we like to show the world to our daughters uh, I mean uh, for so far my first one but now second one as well but um, you know uh, the, the learn from our travels right so that's very important so right now we're doing like short trips um, hiking is a great way to uh, you know um, relax the mind see nature seeing nature itself is very relaxing and uh, we love to cook so weekends are like you know trying out some new dishes and elaborate cooking uh, that's one way of like detox I think you know you way even cleaning is one type of detox <laughs> so uh, those are sort of things they yeah, reading is one thing. So I like to read every night um, you know even though you have like so much of papers to read research papers to read I would take a different totally different topic um, and read about something different and try to uh, reflect on those um, uh, new uh, uh, what, they ha- what the what the author has to say so uh, I'm, I'm doing that right now I'm, I'm kind of reading reading about medical uh, surgeons right now and see how what their lives are about so that's been very interesting um, recently, so that's some of the things that uh, I do, and uh, music uh, is another thing. So we try to go for concerts. Uh, there's a famous Indian musician, A.R. E. Rahman. So we go for his concerts mm-hmm. every year. But now, because of COVID, uh, uh, that didn't ha- that doesn't happen. But yeah, yeah. Again, like missing family, so I, I talk a lot to my parents. So it, it's pretty much on an everyday basis. So I think uh, uh, I, spending time with them and my my sister, she lives very close by. Uh, mm-hmm. Are certain things that uh, we uh, I love doing yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you very much, ladies. Uh, we learn a lot about Edge, accelerating Edge, but also about you. Yeah. Uh, I learned so much similarity we have in our professional careers. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for, for having us. Having us yeah.